Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in the Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you, and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining. We are continuing in PR series. And today we are going to be talking about a really cool topic, which is influencer marketing. And I brought on a great guest to share with us today. I have Lindsay Gamble, and he is an associate director of influencer innovation at Maverick, which is an all-in-one influencer marketing platform with over five years of experience working with enterprise consumer brands on creator and influencer marketing campaigns and a deep understanding of the creator economy. Lindsay helps brands experiment and enter new trends in the creator economy. He also writes a weekly newsletter that breaks down news, insights, and trends across the creator economy, creator influencer marketing, and social media, helping readers cut through the noise and stay up to date on ever-evolving industries. Lindsay's expertise has been recognized by LinkedIn as a top voice in the creator economy, business insider as a rising star of the creator economy, and a top creator economy and influencer marketing expert to know, and Hello Partner as a top U.S. partnership marketing changemaker. His insights and perspective have also been featured in digital publications like Vogue Business, DigiDay, Adweek, Marketing Brew, The Drum, and more. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining today. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate the intro and really excited to chat to you and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about what I'm working on. Yeah. So first, I'm just curious, what what did you do beforehand and what kind of led you down this path where you're at today? I have like a really unique uh, career journey. So I've only really been working in social media professionally for uh, maybe like five years. I okay. uh, graduated back in 2010, uh, worked at a hospital called Dana-Farber, which is uh, really focused on cancer um, mm-hmm. research. So I worked there for six, seven years doing clinical cancer research, but on a, at the same time, I ran a hip hop blog. I've always been really passionate about social media and writing and just everything communication related. And so I did that job as my nine to five, but also made sure to kind of, um, you know, fulfill my creative needs. And uh, that hip hop blog was really my way of creating an internship within the social media, digital marketing uh, world that I wasn't able to do when I was um, at college. That's neat. uh, Yeah. And so after doing that for a little bit, I was able to get a job at an agency before um, before my current role at Maverick and uh, was able to kind of make that transition based on some of the uh, passion projects I was doing. And if like the rest is history. Now I'm here today. Yeah. Well, a man of diverse interests. I love it. From cancer research to hip hop to influencer marketing. That's really cool. Yeah. 
Really cool. So for those who aren't familiar with Maverick, can you just share a little bit about what that is? Uh, we're an uh, all-in-one influencer marketing platform. So um, there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of influencer marketing platforms out there now because of the creative wow. economy. But, uh, you know, we're one of the key players. Uh, we, you know, we're a SaaS company at heart. We have a software that brands can license out and use to find social media creators, influencers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, communicate with them, you know, send them an uh, opportunity for, you know, a typical Instagram or TikTok sponsored campaign or any other type of uh, creator brand partnership. They can opt in, you know, uh, sign the contract, create their content. Uh, we have APIs with some of the major social media players so that when that content goes live, we can report on it as a marketer and, um, you know, look at the reporting and pretty much use the whole platform to build out your influencer marketing program. Um, and then the other aspect of Maverick is like our in-house agency. So our professional services team, and that's the team I've been sitting on at Maverick uh, since my you know time at Maverick. Um, first half of my career, I ran campaigns for brands, helping them you know with strategy, execution, management. And then uh, within the last, I would say like two and a half years, maybe even longer now, uh, my role is really focused on innovation. So less campaign execution and more. Uh, helping our internal teams and customers work with creators in new ways. So new platforms, um, you know, helping them use creators as, uh, you know, consumer research and really um, just looking at the creator economy and creators much more than sponsored content. So it's a, it's a really fun role. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now I know, so a lot of the people listening are in legal and tech and health. So more the service side, some, um, some products, but I think everybody is familiar with influencer marketing to a degree when it comes to um, different types of products. But yeah. I'd love if you could share a little bit about how it works with kind of B2B brands and, and how they can take advantage of influencer marketing. So first of all, I think any company can really uh, leverage influencer marketing. You know, there's nuances between the different industries and, you know, products and services. And the B2B space is really interesting because it's, um, you know, it's not influencer marketing isn't as used as much in B2B, um, typically it's the, you know, consumer products and, and goods. But, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity for not only uh, brands or small businesses or corporations, but also for creators that are within the B2B scope. And so, um, you know, as I look at myself as a creator too, and I use LinkedIn. So that's the number one platform I think it, uh, that exists for kind of, um, you know, some of the industries you mentioned. And so, uh, where traditional influencer marketing today is really focused on, you know, pitching products and, you know, having these bigger scale campaigns and going viral and, you know, short form video and, and TikTok content and all that. Uh, B2B is a little different. You can still incorporate the traditional social media platforms, but um, it, it's, a, I feel like a more kind of strategic approach to those campaigns where, you know, if you're selling a higher price uh, software, that's, you know, thousands of dollars, you know, a TikTok video maybe won't, you know, get someone to convert, but if you work with someone that has influence and some type of community in that, um, you know, the industry that reflects that or aligns with that software, they can kind of, you know, create content on, on uh, LinkedIn, you know, if they're the podcast, long form content, and that content isn't going to always go viral because it could be a blog post that's just really informational, um, but it's really kind of aligning yourself with those in influential voices and thinking more beyond the metrics themselves because you're not going to always get those big flashy campaigns. And so from someone, uh, what was one of the industries you mentioned? 
So I can give a specific. Tech. Yeah, tech. So tech. Uh, uh, you know, I work at a tech company. Um, you know, when I, I share content on, on LinkedIn, and it's mostly to provide value. But uh, you know, say if there was a, if I wasn't working for Maverick, another influencer marketing platform could, uh, you know, reach out to me and you know have me create content. Uh, since my audience is usually interested in the creative economy, I could write a LinkedIn post. I could write a sponsorship my newsletter. I could, you know, join them for a webinar. Um, I could help them. I think one of the biggest opportunities is like consulting. And so you can do the sponsored content. But I think if you're a brand that's trying to figure out, hey, how do we get our software in front of this type of audience? You can work with those people that, you know, have a, a good idea of the industry from an individual standpoint and ask them what are their peers looking at when they're, you know, looking for new software? Uh, are they using LinkedIn? Are they doing YouTube searches? Are they Googling? Are they going to TikTok? Are they going to reviews and kind of reverse engineer that consumer journey through uh, the eyes of an individual that's, you know, has a different perspective of that company and kind of build your campaign around that. Um, so I think the sponsor content's one way, but also really, um, work with those individuals as more consumer research to figure out your bigger company strategy. I like that. So really not focusing on necessarily what do you see as exploding in influencer marketing, but taking a look at your industry and seeing who are the influential key players and how can you connect with them, collaborate with them in places where your audience is looking. And even if that's unsexy, that's okay. It's, you know, you, it's more credibility, it sounds like. Yeah. And and that conversation could lead to you running, you know, a TikTok campaign, right? Um, right. And so it's kind of like not, you don't want to actually take the same approach as like B2C. There are some, some similarities there, but you want to make sure it's more specific to your, your product, your software, and your industry. Um, but yeah, for anyone out there, I would say collaborate with LinkedIn creators, people that have podcasts like yourself, uh, people that are writing really thought leadership, you know, any of the text-based platforms out there, um, but really kind of finding those influential voices and in, in building these integrated campaigns that uh, incorporate different channels and different aspects from content creation to uh, consulting. And what would you say when when you know, brand decides, okay, we're going to start pursuing this. Where do they start? Where's a good place to begin? Yeah. I think first of all, you want to know what your, your goals are, right? Before you even reach out to any creators or doing that, like what's, you know, what do we want to accomplish? Do we want to, uh, you know, drive sales? Do we want to just get content assets that we can repurpose for paid media? Do we want to just drive brand awareness? Because that's going to play a huge role in uh, the way you structure the program. And so I think sometimes with influencer marketing, we see these big campaigns and we're like, oh, that influencer created great content. And ultimately, like if the content is great, but it doesn't align with your goals, it doesn't really matter. Um, so setting the goals and that's going to set the tone for what your budget is. You know, if you're working, if you want to work with a you know big tech influencer that you know, has a great following on YouTube, you're going to have to spend some money, right? Versus maybe you collaborate with uh, upcoming, you know, tech writer on LinkedIn or someone that's just kind of creating content around the, the tech industry that's has an audience, but they, you know, they're, they're a little smaller. So there's more opportunity to collaborate with them where, you know, you can you still want to incentivize them, but maybe you bring more of that consulting aspect of it. Um, and then once you, you know, once you figure out the goals and the budget, you know, you can reach out to the creators. There's a lot of different ways, obviously, you know, working at Maverick, we all, you know, influence a marketing platform, whether it's Maverick or, you know, someone else, depending on, you know, what the best platform is for you. Um, you know, manual re outreach is great too, especially if you're a small business and can't 
uh, don't have the budget for that platform, just, you know, DMing people uh, through Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter, or whatever platform it is, uh, sending emails. Most people have a website with a contact information. Um, and then I also think, too, if, you know, creating some type of experience on your website or your social channels where uh, people that want to work as your brand can easily fill out a form or get in contact with you. I think so, so often brands will want to reach out to people and not think about tapping into uh, their own community or their own CRM or email list that, you know, our creators or, you know, would sure. love to partner with brand, but are not, don't know that there's an opportunity to do so. Yeah. That's so good that it, it is a two-way street and there could be people looking at you who'd love to work with you and yeah. you have to make that easy for them. So that's a really good point. And then can you yeah. just share a little bit about how how it's kind of broken down in terminology, like micro-influencers and macro-influencers, like how yeah. does it work? Uh, it's everyone has a different, you know, definition. Um, you know, I, I would say like the keep it very simple and just like more standard. A micro influence is usually a small influencer. The follower count changes, it varies across the channels. But I think, you know, uh, micro influencers really have these engaged audiences. They typically focus on a specific topic. You know, they usually have, it's usually not doing it full time, even though some can, but maybe they work a nine to five job, but they're really passionate about you know, food and beverage or technology and they're creating content around that. Um, Micro-influencers, I think, that are the bread and butter for influencer marketing because they can create content. They can, uh, you know, um, you know, do like ratings reviews. So, you know, you give them your product. They can do or not the, not your typical, they can do the product review, like creating content, but also leave a review on your website. Um, and then the third one is that they can kind of be consultants. You can really work with them. And so they can do a little bit of everything because they're not big where they're doing this full time or they're unreachable, unreachable, or they're doing something else. But like you can really, you know, they're cost efficient. They're willing to work with you a lot of times. Um, and then, you know, from the micro influencer, there's kind of like the mid tier influencer, which is, you know, a bigger influencer that provide some of the benefits of the micro, but maybe they are doing it full time or they're really leaning into monetizing it. And then from there you have your macro, which is like, uh, I think probably the creators that we think of when we think of influencer marketing, like, hey, this person is doing it full time. They're really, you know, pushing products, they're pushing curation of services or whatever it is um, throughout all the channels. And then, you know, your celebrity influencer, the person that you know, you see in movies or magazines that they're more endorsements as opposed to like creating content, um, you know, all the time. Uh, yeah, there's so many definitions. I I kind of, you know, I, I think there's a, the biggest thing is like, do you want to work with smaller creators or do you want to work with, um, you know, full-time creators or celebrities? No, that's good. Excuse me. Yeah. And then uh, another thing too, beyond the micro is kind of like nano and kind of uh, like advocates where, uh, maybe they're not the greatest content creators or maybe they don't have the greatest following. Um, but if you work with a big group of them, you can kind of get that reach that you might be able to get with bigger creators. No, I, I appreciate that. It can be a little bit intimidating. So how do you recommend, what are kind of some best practices or things to avoid that someone who's new coming into this wouldn't even be aware of considering? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um... You know, when you work with creators now, we're kind of we're kind of in a world where um, everything's so like shock value, and so I think we see a lot. Of, I see a lot of creators calling up brands that reach out to them because maybe they only offered product or they offered a small payment for a lot of deliverables, 
And I think those brands don't necessarily, um, they're just trying, right? A lot of them are new. Maybe they don't have an agency, a platform or in-house team that can help them out with knowing like, hey, here's how you should price it. Here's how you should approach them. And so um, I think the biggest thing is like thinking about as a brand, even if you have a great product or service, uh, you shouldn't necessarily think that everyone's just going to jump on the opportunity, especially if they're creating content and want to monetize it. Like, uh, just like you run this podcast, it takes time and effort and uh, you know, everyone should be compensated in a, in a certain way. And so um, I think when you're uh, whatever company, like thinking about, hey, what am I asking creators to do? And am I compensating them um, appropriately? And if I'm not sure, maybe just have a conversation with them. So reach out and say, hey, we want to work with you. This is what we're thinking about. Like, what's your budget? Like, does this work? Like before making that judgment of like, hey, I'm going to offer just $50 and you create 10 TikTok videos. Uh, some people might be open to that just because they want to work the brand, but you know, we're in a different landscape where everyone wants to monetize their passion projects. Um, so that's one thing I would also say, just like uh, you can work with creators in a lot of different ways. I really push brands, companies thinking outside the box when working with creators. It's not just sponsored content. I talked about the consulting aspect, but Creators can really be integrated in every aspect of your business. They can be customer service, you know. Mm -hmm. Say if you're running trade shows, like you could hire a creator to um, that, you know, you brief them on your product, your service, but they could be at that trade show. And, you know, if they're well-known, like that could bring people there, but they also can just be a different personality that maybe you as an owner, maybe you don't necessarily, you know, want to be in that aspect. Um, you know, they can, they can, uh, you know, be, you can hire them actually, they can be in-house employees. So you don't have a marketing team. Maybe there's a creator that wants to work part-time uh, at a company where they can not only learn from your business, but also get some, um, you know, uh, sustain or a different revenue stream in addition to the creator work. Um, but I would say like, whenever you, if you think about the problem you have as a business, uh, think, think creator first, think about how a creator could be integrated in that. Cause more times than not, they can help solve that or either be part of that brainstorming aspect because ultimately they're experts, they know their industries um, and they're usually thinking a little different than, you know, the average marketer or business owner um, just because of the kind of, the kind of unique role that creators tend to play. I really like that. I like those creative approaches about taking them to a trade show or considering bringing them yeah. in house and, and consulting uh, using them as a consultant. So that's that's really smart, especially for some of these B2B industries where they might think, you know, we can't necessarily do the same thing that consumer market does. Yeah, I mean, um, I recently spoke on a panel with a B2B creator and what she's doing is really that aspect. She's um, consulting, but also for those businesses, they want to create content. And so some of them, you know, donors aren't, you know, they're not great on camera or then, you know, they don't know how to kind of create content. And so she's act actually helping them start their own podcast where she's the host and, you know, asking questions and, and kind of guiding that process too. So like becoming the consultant, consultant, uh, you know, doing the sponsored content, but also like the in-house talent that helps, you know, prep those business owners and employees to also be content creators on their uh, as well. Oh yeah, that is so so smart. So that's really good, really good advice. Where have you seen in the process? I know it's um especially for people who haven't really gone down this path before. It's it's more than just, hey, we want to work with you. Here's how much we're gonna get paid. Everything's perfect. So where do you see if there are breakdowns? Where would you say the most common places are from kind of start to finish the breakdowns just for people to be mindful of? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the the, the creator outreach, um, whether it's the way that you reach out to creators. And so I talked about this earlier is like, you know, that ultimately it's uh, when you reach out to a creator, you want to provide them with enough information to know about your campaign or opportunity. Um, and, and particularly like what, what, what do they get out of it, right? From a payment standpoint or just opportunity. And so I think that, you know, if you, that could really set the tone because if I reach out to you, and I somehow do it in a way where maybe the language is wrong, or maybe I'm offering a low incentive. That really kind of creates a, a lot of disruption right there, and you can get it back on track. But that that's ultimately the first impression. Um, so I, I tend to think the creator outreach portion is really important, along with like the negotiation. So, you know, as a creator, uh, you know, as a brand and a creator, you know, there's a little bit of back and forth and a little bit of give and take, um, where ideally you can come to a agreement where you're going to get something valuable out of the partnership and me as a creator is going to get something valuable as a partnership. Um, I also think once, you know, creators have been uh, like doing a briefing aspect. So when you contract them, negotiate with them, you know, when you give them the contract or the, the campaign brief, you know, setting expectations of what type of content you want and helping to uh, get that content, but also allowing for creative freedom. You know, creators aren't a billboard, you know, they have an audience, they have content creation abilities and so you want to be able to make sure that they're creating the content or the messaging that, you know, aligns with the goals that you want, but also realize that they're the experts and you're reaching out to them to create content. So allowing that creative flexibility whenever is possible. And um, I think, you know, outside the payment or the opportunity, most creators want to be able to create content that really uh, reflects them and their audience. Um, and then I think also the reporting aspect too, like, right, what's the if you don't set the KPIs at the beginning and you get, you know, a bunch of metrics and content and you don't, you just have it, like you don't really know what it means. And so, um, you know, once a post goes up, you know, is it, Hey, this gets 50,000 views. Is that good or bad? Do we right. expect that? How's that relate to business? You know, what does that mean? And so you want to make sure that you have those, uh, the forecasted performance or some type of expectation early on so that you can actually have a sense of, was this, video of this campaign successful and how do we optimize and, and and continue to improve the next time around love it love it do you see a lot of issues pop up around you know missed deadlines or wow this is way off from the creative brief that we sent you what do we do is there anything we can do those types of things yeah that's i've been in those situations plenty of times throughout my career um, and that's just part of it. I think, you know, in life, every, you're not going to always get things that come out perfect. I think um, as much as this technology and as much as is, you know, influence marketing has been really um, powered by platforms and kind of automation. Um, you can have the perfect brief, but if the person on the other side doesn't understand it, um, you know, they can make that mistake. And sometimes what you imagine, you know, as a marketer, you create the perfect brief and you're like, all right, I know exactly what type of content we're going to get. Like we're so excited and the creator, you know, wants to do something different. Um, and so those situations, I think it's just really thinking about the other person, the person on the other end, really taking a human uh, approach to it. where like being, you know, upfront with them, but in a respectful way, um, there's plenty of times where I've worked with a creator and we provided, you know, a great brief, at least we thought and every other creator in that campaign got it right, but maybe this creator didn't. And so we'll go back and sometimes we're asking them to create that content if they really missed the mark. And sometimes we'll look at the brief and say, hey, you know, we could have made this clearer. Um, you know, sometimes you just, it really depends on the situation, but also thinking about the, the relationship aspect, because as a brand, 
um, you know, you want to make sure that you're protecting your brand and, and making sure you're being respectful to the partners you work with. Um, and sometimes it, it's better to take that, you know, that loss and maybe you don't get that piece of content than to, you know, have a PR nightmare. Um, but what I've, I, in general, I would say if you have an issue with a creator that uh, missed a deadline, uh, you know, just put yourself in the shoes. Like we, we all come into those situations. Um, and then for creators too, I would say like, uh, being on both sides as a marketer and a creator, um, it's really valuable because I know the pain points that come with being a marketer and work with creators when they do miss deadlines, when they're working on behalf of a brand. And I have to go back and tell them like, hey, we haven't heard from this creator. And it's kind of, even though it's not my direct you know, fault, but we're working on behalf of them and we're, we're kind of the middle person. Um, so that can be really challenging. But so when I work as a creator with brands, I make sure that if I'm not able to deliver something, I try to be upfront with that. And most times people are really, um, okay with that. It's just like any other kind of human interaction. Uh, communication is really key. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how how long would you say in terms of seeing results? I think just having expectations that results aren't necessarily instantaneous and it can be a multiple campaign process. So can you speak to a little bit about just a realistic look at what you should expect in terms of results? Yes, it depends on the goals. I mean, if it's just really generating brand awareness, you know, once you have creators creating content, those impressions, you know, generate, those engagements generate. And like, you know, um, depending on the platform, they can happen sooner than later. You know, TikTok, usually a lot of that engagement happens early on. And then sometimes it picks up because a uh, video goes viral or is shared or, or there's some type of um, network effect. When it comes to more lower funnel activities, I think, you know, it's really important to be patient. Um, if we look at ourselves as consumers, when we see a product, we might like it, but we don't always, you know, purchase it right away. Especially when you think about Instagram, as much as Instagram has great shopping features or the, the platforms are expanding more into that, like you really have to be realistic about how often are you going to swipe up on a story and purchase a mattress that you like, right? Okay. Versus like, hey, I seen this creator post this um, you know, this video of a mattress or, or maybe a, to make it more relevant, uh, going back to the tech, you know, creator does a breakdown of a, a tech stack or software. Um, maybe as a business, you know, target audience or user, you're not looking for that, uh, uh, that tech right now, but you have that top of mind of like, all right, I heard about this when our renewal on our current tech stack or whatever it is comes up, I know about that brand and that's a brand I'm going to look more into at that period of time. Um, you're not going to swipe up on an Instagram story or you might not purchase, you might not get the demo right away. Um, so conversions is really unique. It's like sometimes you have to uh, really just think about your influence marketing program matching the consumer journey. So for, you know, you know, high price items, that consumer journey is really long where people want to do more research. You know, I'll watch YouTube videos. I'll, I'll ask people, I'll go to reviews, I'll, you know, um, you know, I'll go in store if it's available there and ask the people there versus something that's like maybe a, a you know, CPG product where you're like, oh, like I want that. So I, I, I might swipe up, get it on Amazon. I might go in store. It's, you know, five, ten dollars. It's not going to really break the bank versus a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand dollar software where you really need to get buy in from your, uh, your partners or, or company or employees or whoever you're looking into that software for. Yeah. Um, and then just, I, I would just say, just to finish up, like influencer marketing isn't going to always provide results right away. Um, you know, you run some campaigns, you see how your, how performance is, and you kind of uh, use those benchmarks and create, you know, performance metric, performance metrics that you can build upon and, and measure 
over time. Um, but I, I definitely see brands that will try to do influencer marketing that get discouraged if they don't get a certain amount of conversions and they'll look at it as like, hey, I generated 500 conversions to paid media and my influencer marketing program generated five. Uh, they're, they're very different and you have to kind of hold those expectations. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's true. It's it's part of, it should be part of a broader holistic marketing approach and marketing in general is typically you experiment. You have to experiment and, and try new different approaches and different things, see what works yeah. for you. And, and then the influence marketing aspect too, is just like going back to what I said, is that it's so hard to track. We're not always, uh, you know, promo codes are great ways to track, you know, you know, if I have a promo code that's gambled 20% off and I share with you, you purchase through that, you know, the company I, I work with, wouldn't know that as a direct purchase, but I know plenty of times where I come across products and services, um, especially in the AI field now, where I'm not purchasing right away. I might go purchase directly, uh, you know, on that website as opposed to that tracking link, just because of where I actually see that content. And some of that data gets lost where you're not at, you're saying that your campaign isn't generating results, but it actually is. It's just not tracking because of the unique con uh, consumer journey with that particular product and experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. And, and that brings up just what types of things are changing with AI or otherwise that are impacting the influencer space and how they work with brands? Yeah. I think AI, everyone's been talking about AI, right? Um, <laughs> in the influencer marketing space, there's a couple of different ways it's impacting. I think for creators, first of all, um, AI is becoming kind of that co-pilot where they're able to really expedite their workflows, whether it's, you know, um, a creator that is creating YouTube videos and they can use a chat GPT or a notion or some other tool to, um, you know, come up with a, a video title based on a couple of different bullets that they input. Um, they might have to tweak it, but it's a great way to brainstorm an idea as opposed to them having to start from uh, net new. So similar to, you know, if you want to brainstorm with a colleague, you sit in a room and you, you two go back and back and forth. This is a little more powerful because it's using, you know, it's sourcing data across the internet or some type of source and you can kind of tweak it. Um, so that's one way with, you know, creators using it to expedite workflows, to captions, um, titles. I think for B2B, you know, if you're not a great writer, if, but you have some great ideas, you can plug something in the chat GPT and come up with a whole blog post. Um, I also say would say repurposing content. So there's a lot of great tools that allow you to take a long form video or uh, if you're not doing this already, I would recommend this uh, from a podcasting standpoint where, you can plug in your podcast and, you know, there's tools out there that will chop it up to be short from video, as opposed to you having to do that yourself or outsource it to a human being. You can easily get 10, 10 a dozen pieces of content that can repurpose, uh, that you can repurpose across all different platforms. Um, on the influencer market or the marketer side, uh, you know, platforms like Maverick are including more AI. So uh, we launched a new feature where you can search for, uh, creators and as opposed to just having the typical um, hashtag search or filters now we have AI uh, support where you know say if you look for a travel influencer the AI will attach you know different uh, words that associate with travel and so it expands your travel expands your pool of creators mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing I also think uh, coming or going forward is um, with especially platforms using AI to uh, find the best creator. So as opposed to you having to take the subjective approach, uh, these platforms will populate, hey, here are the best 20, 30 creators to work with based on your, your KPI of driving sales. And then to finish up on the AI conversation, um, 
Meta, TikTok, Microsoft, Amazon, they all have AI powered ad experiences. And so, um, you know, as a, a business, you can, instead of having to get a hundred different creatives, you can maybe work with a creator, 10 creators to get some content, plug that in there. It can remove the background. So if you get a piece of content that's for the summer, um, you know, it can create, it can turn that piece of content, that same piece of content to be uh, reflective of holiday shopping and, and those type of things. Um, so yeah, I would say those are probably the top three, top three things that come to mind across the different parties. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much changing constantly there. It is just wild right now. Yeah. And then, uh, virtual influencers too, <laughs> with virtual influencers. So that's going to be a big one too, where, you know, maybe you and I don't have to be the creators where brand can build their own virtual influencer and, uh, you know, they build a following. We're, we're seeing that already, um, We'll talk more about that. What exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, so um, there's there's a couple of virtual influencers out there. There's like uh, I think little Michaela. So basically, these digital avatars that have their own Instagram account that huh. you know, uh, are have TikTok accounts and they're you know created through AI or you know someone creates them and they're not real but they have really realistic features and they're actually there's someone or agencies behind them that are you know really creating that persona. And what's really interesting is that is that, um, you know, people do follow them, right? Uh, even though they're not humans, <laughs> but there's the benefit of having that brand safety. Your avatar, your virtual influencer isn't going to have a PR crisis unless you decide to write something, <laughs> you know, in the caption. We're like humans, you know, as a brand, you could work with a creator that is, you know, you've done a background check, you've done everything, they're great. And then maybe two years from now, they, you know, happen to get arrested or they do something. And, you know, that's a reflection of your brand. Um, if people look back to say, hey, this creator worked for this brand and, uh, you know, that could impact your brand safety. Um, and then also when we think about the metaverse, right, that's such a concept that we're still far away from. But um, at some point when the metaverse becomes like a really real thing, uh, the people that follow these virtual influencers are probably going to follow those or follow these kind of AI influencers when they do get in the metaverse, these virtual influencers are going to already be there. And that's going to be the first people that they, they follow. And so that's going to open up the opportunity to have the opportunity for more brands to have these like immersive uh, metaverse or, you know, Oculus experiences. Wow. Uh, and, Wild times we're living in. <laughs> and one thing too, I could probably talk about this all day, all day is that um, the opportunity for creators to, um, really you know work with these platforms that are coming up where they can create they can uh pretty much like license their likeness so that uh instead of them having to always take a picture with a picture with a product or be in a photo they can you know give they can give a brand the opportunity to use their likeness and uh, that brand can kind of create that photo it's not it's not often but uh it's opportunity for them to really scale their their business um especially if ai influencers become even more uh, influential than they are today. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, so I feel like we've, we've covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you would like to leave listeners with today? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, if you're not already creating content, I would definitely invest in it. You know, um, I think obviously the, the, the low hanging fruit is having creators do it, but I think every business owner could be a content creator themselves. And I think if they think about that, if they do have the time to create content, um, that will really help. I think, um, you know, the, the lines between uh, corporations and creators are blurring a lot because we're seeing a lot of corporations, especially like publishers and just 
uh, you know, people that, yeah, publishers uh, think more like creators and we think, see more creators think more like corporations and publishers. And so um, I think because of that, the audience, you know, wants to be entertained. They want to, they want to enjoy, you know, fun content. They don't always want to be sold to. And I think as a business owner or corporation, like the ultimate goal is to drive sales. But sometimes you have to just think about how can I provide value that gets people engaged, um, that really gets them coming back to my page or really, you know, aligns with my brand. And when I need to sell something, I'm going to be the brand or a company I think of first because I provide so much value, whether it's educational content or entertainment or informative. Um, so think like a creator, work with creators and, and uh, bring creators in the house. <laughs> yes. Love it. You don't have to isolate yourself to one category. Not at well, all. Good. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. I really appreciate everything you have shared. I feel like there's a lot of kind of mystique behind this for people who haven't delved in. So I appreciate you kind of pulling the curtain back and sharing with us today. And for those of you who enjoyed learning more about this, he actually, Lindsay has a great newsletter that you should check out. It is on his website. It is lindsaygamble.com forward slash newsletter. And that's Lindsay with an E. We will have that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO, and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at christybilbury.com.